Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Good morning, good morning. It is so good to see you guys. Hey, we want to welcome everyone that is joining us online this morning. We want to welcome you, and we're so thankful that you have chosen to worship with us today. Hey, my name is Luke. I have the honor of serving as one of the pastors here at Mount Zion. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We are so glad that you have joined us. Hey, wasn't worship fun today? I mean, wasn't it a great time? Let's put our hands together. Hey, throughout this series, we have been looking through the lens of the reality that the characters that we find in the Christmas story, they're real people. They're real people just like you and just like me. Oftentimes, what I have observed and what I have noticed is that we almost place these characters in the category of fairy tale. And we make it incredibly relatable to children, but in regard to adults, there's this natural disconnect that is created. And we will oftentimes put the characters of the Christmas story in this category that we label other. And what we say is that God could never use me like he used Mary and Joseph like he used the shepherds or like he used the wise men or like he used some of the characters in the scripture because, well, they're, they're just simply Bible people. They're not normal people with normal concerns and normal struggles like you and like me. But what we have discovered and what we're gonna continue to look at and unpack this morning is that the characters that we see and that we read about and that we hear about in the scriptures, and specifically in the Christmas story, they're just like you, they're just like me. In other words, they are real people. And what we have discovered and what we know is that God will oftentimes use real people that we wouldn't choose, that we would kind of qualify as being disqualified or not important enough, marginalized enough, I mean, not having enough influence. But God uses real people in ways that we never thought possible to do things that we actually never considered. And this is really, really important. And what we have discovered last week is that when Mary and Joseph, a real couple, a real 13-year-old girl, and a real man being engaged to this 13-year-old girl who finds herself pregnant, and it's not his child, And they travel this distant land back to his hometown only to be told, you're not welcome here. Not under these circumstances, not with Mary being in her condition. You have to go somewhere else. And all of this happened nine months to the day that Mary and Joseph said yes to God. We're all in. We will be faithful and we will be obedient with our lives, with our decisions, with our actions. And things didn't get better. Things actually got much worse for Mary and Joseph. And we know what it's like, many of us in this room, to say yes to Jesus and to believe 
that our lives will get better, drastically better, only to be hit in the mouth with our organization downsizing, with a diagnosis, with a family relationship that has gone astray or has been broken or severed. We all know what it's like to pray the prayer, to ask the question, how can this be? I mean, how have I found myself in this situation? How have I found myself in this condition? How do I find myself sitting in this chair with a doctor sitting in front of me and he's just diagnosed me with cancer? And I wouldn't choose that. I never thought it would happen to me. I never thought that I would be going through a divorce. How, how can this be? I never thought that I would receive this news. And many of us, we've sat in our driveways and we've prayed the prayer after the realization that this is our reality and these are our circumstances and this is our path to walk. We took a deep breath and we balled up our fist and we prayed, God, how could you allow this? God, where are you at? I mean, I'm looking around and I've been taught and I believe that you are good. And all I have ever done in my entire life is said yes to you. And I'm not perfect, but nobody is. But God, where are you? And God, do you even care? Do you understand? Do you relate to what I'm going through in this moment? And the way that we answer this question, it, it really boils down to how we live our faith out and where we place our faith. And simply stated, faith is a belief that God is who he says he is. And scripture tells us that God says that I'm good. Your circumstances, your condition, your situation, your outlook, it may not seem good, but my nature and my character, they are not dictated by your circumstances. And faith is believing that God is good and that he will fulfill his promises. He will do exactly what he says he will do. He is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He will have his way. Even when we don't see that way, even when we think it's absolutely impossible, and it's important for us to have a proper perspective in regard to faith. As we read Luke chapter two, beginning in verse eight. And Luke chapter two, verse eight says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now for a moment, when you hear this word shepherd, I want you to, to have an image in your head 
of, of what, a, what a shepherd looks like. You see, oftentimes we are taught and we learn that a shepherd is this old wise sage, this old white bearded, you know, long-haired, seasoned, just wise man, kind of like Gandalf. Like how many of you, like when you think about shepherd, you think about Gandalf, right? You're thinking like this, this, this wise man and he's, he's sitting kind of Indian style out in a field and he's talking to his young protege, you know, grasshopper of this. And that's, that's not what it is. When you hear the word shepherd, I, I want you to think more kind of like the Goonies, all right? Shepherds, they were between the ages of six and 12 years old. Most shepherds were outcasts. Most shepherds were poor. Most shepherds, they were orphans. Most shepherds were the, the youngest in their family. When it says that they were living in the fields, that's because most shepherds were homeless. Many shepherds, their fathers had stood in opposition to a Roman rule and their fathers had been murdered, executed, hung upon a cross, burned on the stake and they didn't have anywhere to go. So they hired themselves out to ranchers or to masters and they, they find their dwelling out in the fields. These little kids, six to 12 years of age. So with that perspective, verse nine, all of a sudden carries a very different weight. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Do you think that they were terrified? Remember, when you see the word angel, it's not this blonde-haired, you know, cartoonish kind of character, you know, that is softly in the sky, just above the horizon, singing this beautiful anthem. When you see the word angel, it's not a cartoon. It is a fierce warrior. And whenever you see the word angel, there is always a bright light and there is always fear because angels are warriors. And when a warrior that is bright light shines and speaks and sings an anthem of rejoicing, when you are six to 12 years old, this is absolutely terrifying because once again, it is not this picture in our minds of this cartoon with this beautiful blonde-haired angel just hovering above. It is instead kind of like the Lost Boys on Peter Pan, where it's these misfits have this mischievous grin, pulling pranks on one another, asking the question, where is our next meal going to come from? doing inappropriate things around the campfire, these little boys are absolutely in this moment terrified. Why? Because they're real people, just like you and just like me. So when we read, and they were filled with great fear, that is an understatement. Verse 10 says, 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And my response as a six to 12 year old kid is why not? Why would I not be afraid in this moment? This bright, huge warrior is in front of me. And when you tell me not to be afraid, that's just proof that I should be afraid. I have something to be scared of. And he goes on, this is why you shouldn't be afraid. I bring you, shepherd boys, you, scared orphans, you, terrified little children, you, the outcasts, the forgotten, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Another way to say this is, hey, little boys, don't be afraid. I have an announcement that I'm giving specifically to you, but it's not just for you. It's, it's for all people. But don't lose sight that I've chosen you to give this message to. What is the message? Verse 11. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And translated, this is the Lord's Christ, the person, the Messiah that God has promised to send all people. In verses 12 through 14, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, heaven on earth and peace to those whom his favor rests. In this moment, what the angels are singing, the message that they're proclaiming is, hey, little shepherd boys, God delights in fulfilling his promises. Why? Because he is good. Because he loves you. So all of heaven dresses up and shows up for the party, and all of heaven sings like never before in the presence of these shepherd boys. In verse 15, and when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said happened to them. But Mary treasured up these things and she pondered in her heart, which we're gonna talk about next week. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, which were just, as they had been told. Now, once again, this is a real event that happened to real people. 
And my question is, is this, why shepherds? The most important news that have, has ever been shared, news for all people, for you, for me, for, for everyone. I mean, the greatest news ever to be shared. News in which all the angels dress up and put the glory of God on display. All of the kingdom revealed in this moment. Why would God choose to reveal this truth to shepherd boys? Because if I were God, which we're all glad I'm not, but if I were God, I, I wouldn't reveal this truth, this important message to some orphans, outcasts, the least of these, the forgotten, individuals that had no influence. So, why would God choose to reveal the greatest message ever to be told to a bunch of shepherd boys? And there's only one possible answer. And that answer is because God is good and he keeps his promises. You see, 600 years before Jesus was born, there was this prophet by the name of Ezekiel and there were pastors that lived in the lands and spiritual leaders and prophets and their responsibility was to tend the flock, to tend God's people, to care for them, to love them, to lead them, to guide them, to instruct them. But these leaders of this time, the pastors and the prophets, they began to exploit the people. They began to create rules and systems that if you don't, fit this mold and you don't live like this and you don't look like this and you don't say these things, if you don't abide by our understanding, well, then you're not welcome here. And they stopped chasing after God's people. They stopped inviting God's people into the flock. So God uses Ezekiel to speak on his behalf and God says these words through Ezekiel 600 years before Jesus ever came to earth. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the, most, for the lost and I'll bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But the sleek, the proud, the strong, the prideful, I will destroy them. I will shepherd the flock with justice, with righteousness. And you see, after Jesus came, 30 years, Jesus grows up and becomes a man and he is walking the streets and he, he sees this tree where a young man named Zacchaeus had climbed. Zacchaeus had been one of the ones that the religious leaders, the pastors of this time had said, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you can't be here. 
and society had cast him out and Zacchaeus was hated. And Jesus sees him from a distance and he approaches him. And this is the words of Jesus to that sinner who had strayed away. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, Jesus was criticized over and over again. Why do you share meals with people like that? Why do you spend time with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors? And Jesus would say, because I came to seek the lost, to bind them up, to heal their wounds, to show them the Father, to show them a better way. John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus says this about himself. You see, the reason I do this is because I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep, they know me. So why would Jesus, why would the kingdom, why would God choose to present this truth, this message to shepherd boys? I believe God knew that shepherd boys understood the importance of being a good shepherd. They understood what it meant that if a sheep strays, if he gets lost, you go after him. If he's wounded, hurting, you care for him. I think Jesus knew that shepherd boys knew what it was like to be forgotten, marginalized, outcast, looked down upon. You see, in scripture, we see sheep always in contrast with people, you and with me. And in the Bible, there are three primary ways that, that sheep die. One is that they're not paying attention and they just wander off. They're looking down as they're eating and they just make their way apart from the flock, away from the shepherd. And after some time of just walking, they look up and they're all alone and they're wondering, where did, where did everybody go? Another way is that sheep would oftentimes, they would go by streams. And this is why scripture talks about how he brings us to streams that are calm, that are still. Because sheep would go in to get something to drink and because of their wool, they would get in too deep. They'd get in over their head and the water would saturate their wool and they would drown. Another way is that sometimes they would be attacked. They'd be sought after. They'd be wounded. We're not talking about sheep anymore, are we? Because think about when you were lost. And no one likes to think about being lost, but no one intentionally gets lost, do they? No one wakes up in the morning and says, today I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get lost. But when you were lost, wasn't because you just slowly drifted away from God, from a personal relationship 
You got distracted. You pursued another interest. You pursued something else. And then all of a sudden you look around and you say, how did I, how did I get here? How did I get so far away from, from who God has called me to be? What was once my highest priority? Or isn't it true that we just get close to that line and we keep moving it forward and what was once unthinkable is now our reality until we find ourselves just absolutely over our head, drowning. Or isn't it because you were wounded or hurt by someone who was supposed to care for you, maybe someone in my position who was supposed to love you well and lead you well, but you've been wounded, or maybe it was someone who was a Christian who was supposed to represent the kingdom of well, but they did so poorly. And you said, if, if that's what it means to be a Christian, if that's what it means to be a part of this movement, I don't wanna have anything to do with it. So how do we find our way back to God? How do sheep find their way back to the flock, to the shepherd? Well, a good shepherd never just yells instruction or guidance A good shepherd never yells at a sheep, hey, you idiot, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, how did you not see this? Come back, and if you can get your life together and you can obey the rules, then you can be a part of us. See, a a good shepherd never does that. A good shepherd pursues the lost sheep. He goes after him. And when he finds him, if he's wounded, he, he begins to mend him, begins to be a part of the process of healing walking with them every step of the way. You see, the question that we have to wrestle with this morning is why did God reveal this truth to shepherds? And I believe it's because that they knew the best what it meant to shepherd well, what it meant to pursue the lost, what it meant to to mend the wounded. And why do we do this? The question that we have to ask is, what changed in the shepherds' lives? Why did they go from great fear to rejoicing? Because if you read to the end of the story, the shepherds, they returned back to the fields. What did baby Jesus do for them? Did baby Jesus bring their fathers back? give them a place to live? Did he provide the next meal for them? Did he give them more influence? No, why? Because he was a baby and this was a real story with real people. So what changed for the shepherds? Why did they go from great fear to rejoicing? And I believe that there's only one answer and it is a simple but powerful answer. What changed in their lives? What will lead you from fear this morning to rejoicing, no matter your circumstances, no matter your condition? Hope. Hope. Hope that that God is good and that he keeps his promises. Hope that God cares about the marginalized, 
about the outcast, about the broken, about the forgotten, about the poor, about the inflicted. Hope that God loves you so much that he stepped out of heaven and stepped into the brokenness of you and the brokenness of me. You see, hope is powerful. Hope is restoring. Hope is beautiful. What if, what if God is going to use you and to use me to answer the prayer of the hopeless? A prayer in our community is being lifted right now. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. I have the sick loved one, and I just am so alone. I don't, I don't know where my next paycheck's going to come from. Being a single mom is absolutely exhausting, and I just don't know that I can keep doing it. I just want to give up. Being married is much harder than what I thought, and I'm ready just to walk out, walk away, What if God is going to use you to reveal hope to some person today? Because God uses people that we never thought could be used in ways that we never thought were possible to do things that we never imagined. So what does this look like? This week for you, maybe it looks like a challenge to remind someone that they are not alone. They are grieving Christmas because of the ache that exists in their heart and they feel forgotten. They feel all alone. And maybe God is going to use you to lean into them and remind them that God is good and that he keeps his promises. Or maybe God is going to use you to meet a need that exists in our community or around the world that apart from your faithful obedience would go unmet. Through your audacious generosity, over the last several weeks, Mount Zion has been able to invest over $31,000 back into our community. Why? Because people need to be reminded of the hope that exists in Christ Jesus. People need to be reminded that God is good and that he keeps his promises. You see, you and I are called to be different makers. You and I are called to be kingdom ambassadors. You and I are called to be hope carriers. What would it look like in our community 
if every interaction that we came into contact with, we looked at it as a divine interaction. So when the waiter or the waitress serves us, well, they're not there to serve us. We're there to serve them, to love them well, to remind them that God is good and that he keeps his promises. The coworker at work, the neighbor in your neighborhood, the child in your son or daughter's class, the opportunities that you have, that only you have. God is calling you and I to steward them well. Why? Because our world needs to be reminded that God is good and that he keeps his promises. So this week, how will you be the difference in our world that you desire to see? How will you Bring hope to what seems to be a hopeless situation. How will you love others well with the heart of Jesus? Let's go. What are you waiting for? Father God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Find us faithful and obedient this day. Why? Because you are our hope. You bring hope to hopeless situations because your name is above all names. Your name is beautiful. Your name is matchless. God, you are good and you keep your promises. And God, oftentimes, you choose to use us to fulfill them in the lives of the forgotten, the outcasts, the marginalized. So God, this day and for all of our days, may we be hope bringers. God, this day and for all of our days, may we be faithful and obedient. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, stand to your feet and let's sing of this hope. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.